Good morning, patrons, and welcome to another episode of A Universe of Stories. Today, we're going to be getting out our green thumbs and digging into the dirt. Joining us today is Master Gardener Dale Young. Thank you so much for joining me, Ms. Dale, and taking time out of your schedule to talk with us today. It's a pleasure. All right, let's begin in the beginning, shall we? How okay. long? <laughs> how long have you been a gardener? I've enthusiastically been gardening since the late 80s. Okay. And more so since, you know, when I lived in Arizona and then when I moved to Tennessee, I got really into it because I have a lot of of land that was without any gardens, and so I put a lot of them in, and I'm still working on it after almost 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) It's an ongoing thing. (laughs) That's right. Okay, so when I introduced you, I called you a master gardener. Can you tell me what that means and how you become a Master Gardener? The Master Gardener program is a national program through the state university system. And the one that I am involved in is through the University of Tennessee. And uh, it's through the extension offices in each county. I believe there is one in each county in Tennessee. Sumner County has a, um, a very active Master Gardener program, as I know Davidson County, and I think Williamson does as well. I don't know about the other counties in Tennessee. But uh, the program itself involves uh, classwork, classes, lectures, and uh, there are no tests, so people don't have to get nervous about that. Um, It's a a 40-hour basic program on horticulture, and um, then... After you have finished that program, uh, in order to become certified, you need to have 20 hours of volunteer time in community projects, whichever your Master Gardener program uh, specifically works in, um, and maintain at least eight CEUs of educational time, which is very easy to do because you can go to programs, you can go to just your monthly Master Gardener meetings and accomplish that. Uh, the, there is a cost to the program, uh, mainly because of the materials. Uh, when I went, I went to Ball State, and they use their facilities and uh, you know, their audiovisual materials. So um, at that time, five years ago, I think it was around $50. But the book that you get, the information is phenomenal, and it's a great research, uh, referral source. So it, it's well worth it. So if people are interested and they can you know, save up their pennies, it, I definitely would recommend that they go ahead and take the course. Okay. And how long did it take you to reach the master's status? Uh, I took the course. Uh, starting in January, finished about June, and by the fall, I had already completed my required um, CEUs and uh, volunteer hours. Okay. Now, being a master, a master of gardening, (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) have you gotten to work on any project that's special to you? Well, being that I live in Portland, um, Portland, Tennessee, for anyone listening. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Portland, Tennessee. Uh, We are close to the Richland Park Garden, which is right behind the the library. And I worked there with 
several other master gardeners. That is, I am not in control of that program. There is someone else, and I work to help her. Right now, we're just clearing out the garden for spring. We've got everything pretty well set, and we're going to be, you know, putting in a few annuals. But what what we grow is mostly perennials. I also I am uh, in charge of the three planters that we have at the Portland Library. Unfortunately, I have a helper who does some of those, and those are mainly annuals. Um, when I started gardening, I specifically wanted to go with perennials because I figured once you get it into the ground, if it goes, it's going to go for a long time. You don't have to replant every year. Right. So, um, but there, as far as master gardener programs, they're all over Sumner County that I know of, Rock Castle, Cragfont, Mansker Station, and we're constantly, you know, adding others uh, as people in various communities you know, find a project that they want to really work on. There's one at, at Park Place Retirement Community, which is, you know, a, you know a, a, I guess quite nice. I have not been down there yet. Okay. All right. So basically you get to work in a lot of different areas and just make things beautiful. <laughs> That's the idea of the whole program <laughs> is for people to learn, to share, and to help beautify your community. Right, and that's as so well important. as your your own environment. Exactly, you can take all of your beautiful work home with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you know we we do do that when we have to send out our plants. We say, okay, who wants this for their garden? <laughs> oh well, I don't have that. I'll take one of those. I feel and, like yeah, yeah. that's nice too. <laughs> it, it almost it seems like. It's, it might get a little out of hand, you know. It's like, oh, this one needs a home. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, really. It's kind of like an animal shelter. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Miss Dale. I myself have a very, very purple thumb, which means that I kill plants accidentally, not on purpose. Um, oh, well, of course. <laughs> I would never do it on purpose. But what are some very easy plants that you could get me started on so that I could become a plant enthusiast, something that would be easy for me to start with? Well, it depends on where you're living, and whether you want to do outside planting or have plants in the house. Um, some things that are very easy to grow inside and can be transferred outside are succulents. Mm. Succulents are, um, don't require a lot of care. In fact, if you ignore them, they seem to grow better. You know, give them a spritz of water about once a week, and, and they're happy little, you know, little plants. Um, and succulents are the, like the little <laughs> they're, cactus they're, and aloe vera and the that kind spikies. of thing. Chicks and hens. Um, also, succulents are um, sedum are succulents. Okay. And sedum is a great outdoor plant in, or at least where I live in Tennessee, I'm I'm what's considered a six B zone. I'm a little cooler than Nashville, hmm. um, and. I'm actually even cooler out where I am because I'm out near Oak Grove, which is, you know, open uh, farm area. So we get a lot of breezes, and it's cooler here than it is in downtown Portland. So you have to just determine what is going to work if you're doing outside planting. If you want to do inside ones, the, the sedum is fine. There's a lot of variety of different sedum. There's inside ones that are little, and then you can do the sprawling ground cover sedum outside you can do the real spiky ones that run about you know some of them up to uh, two or three feet tall but i have found i have a lot of deer out here and certain sedum 
the tall ones the deer like to eat. Oh. <laughs> so I have to be very cautious about, you know, what deer like and what deer don't like. Mm. And I've learned that the hard way, and sometimes I say, okay, well, they're going to eat it, but I really like it, and it comes back easily, like hostas. Mm. They're very easy to grow. And if you don't have deer, it's not an issue. They, right. <laughs> some of them grow beautifully in the sun now. Oh. So um, inside, I like philodendrons. They're drapey, and they're also called pothos. Um, you can keep them in a bush form by just pruning them back when they get long and stringy, or you can hang them in hanging planters and have them draped down. They don't have flowers, but they do clear the air, so they're good for inside, and they're, again, they're very forgiving. If you forget to water them for a week, they look a little peaked. You say, oh, yeah, I forgot. Mm-hmm. Put some water on them, they perk right up, and they're happy again. That's good. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of plant for me. <laughs> there you go. I, I have them in a lot of places. They, they like moisture, so they look great in the bathroom where you get a little steam from the shower. or, or you know, they, um, they just keep looking great. Another easy plant to grow is called a peace lily. I don't know if you've ever seen any of those. They're frequently in plants that one would buy in the nurse in a um, like a flower shop. Um, if if you get a potted group of plants, they they are in frequently in there. But they grow enormously, and um, one of them will shoot. They'll shoot up a a long frond. And this little white lily, well, actually a fairly good-sized white lily with a um, pistil in the middle that's about as big as, oh, big around as a pencil. <laughs> I'm going to have to cough, excuse me. <coughs> you can edit that. We can, yes. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, we're going to leave oh. it in just for fun. <laughs> At least you'll know I'm not a robot. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Um, they have a um, probably about a um, one-inch pistol that comes up in the middle of this white shield, and they are magnificent for purifying air. Oh, cool. Um, I've had one for about five years now, and I've divided it three times, and it just is enormous. Oh, wow. So, so that seems yep. like a pretty good plant to have in yep. indoors. Yes, that is definitely an indoor plant. Okay. So, you know, sedum, philodendrons, peace lilies, um, any kind of, you know, small cactus, like a, a Christmas cactus. Those are always good. Okay. I think that's a pretty, I would say that's a good start for us. Bad timing. Are you okay? Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm fine. All right. Well, I okay. would. I would say that's a good selection for us to kind of start with. So I uh-huh. think that's pretty good. Alrighty. Now we live in a truly beautiful state. What are some great plants or trees that are specific to Tennessee? Well, there are a lot of plants that are in Tennessee that may not be specific to Tennessee, but that work really well. Um, my personal feeling is to grow things that you know definitely grow in the area. 
And it, there again, it depends on where you live. If you live in an area that is particularly moist, you're going to want to get plants that um, will work well there. But um, you have to do some kind of planning to decide because if you have, you need to get um, sun loving plants or sh- some plants are very shade loving and you put them in the sun and they're just going to shrivel up and die. Um, the, um, okay, I'm trying to think what I want to say. Uh, a lot of plants that are really good to grow are like butterfly weed, columbine, um, asters, geraniums, um, various kinds of flocks. They're all good, easy-growing perennials. They come back every year or they reseed so that you know, there will be more of them every year. Um, and they're adapted to our environment. So um, that, that is certainly um, a, a good way to go. Okay. All right. Uh, I will tell you, one of the things about Master Gardeners is that we do a lot of different things, and everyone that I know knows things about certain plants and doesn't know anything about other certain plants. So as a group, we, we know just about everything, but as individuals, we have to you know, talk to each other about all right, you've done this. Now, what do you think about this? So you so, have, yeah, like a specialty. United we stand, divided we fall. <laughs> there, there you go. Yes, pretty much like that. Uh, one thing that does I have never had luck with, and I, I know a lot of people who live up here where I do are not terribly successful, is with roses. Mm-hmm. Because the, the ground here is just loaded with clay. And unless you really basically dig out your clay and replace it with a nutritious soil, um, that's not going, you know, they're just not going to work. Mm. And and one of our master gardeners is a certified rosarian, and he does, uh, he um, tends the garden, the rose gardens at Belmont. I don't know if you've ever seen those, but they're magnificent. And his gardens are all roses, and he doesn't even dig in the ground. He raises the ground up with um, uh, soil that he brings in that's, you know, balanced for roses and is, um, you know, nutritionally complete, basically. Wow, that's dedication. Yeah, he doesn't grow in the ground. And a lot of people in this area, if unless you're having enormous gardens uh, for vegetables and herbs and things like that will do raised beds and that's why raised beds are becoming so popular because the the soil is just awful and (laughs) i mean you can i i ran into that in arizona too i happened to hit the clay places um where you would try to amend the soil and all it did was roll up the clay into little balls Mm. and so you know i just scooped out the, the clay and put in you know healthy soil and I didn't have a problem with my plants there, but okay. And that's the that's one important thing. No matter what you're growing, is that you make sure that you have good soil. The preparation for the planting is the most important thing. So, 
uh, I'm, it's advisable that you get your soil tested. If you're doing a major garden, um, and you can do that through the extension office. It goes to a laboratory that the state maintains. And uh, it is recommended. I have not done that. I, I followed more or less the hit-and-miss method as opposed to the scientific method. <laughs> and, you know, things work for me. So, right. Uh, <laughs> so when in doubt, just try, see if it works. And if not, we'll, we'll come back to it. We'll, we'll do a different tactic. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> All right, speaking of that, so, okay, the next question kind of ties in with it. So bakers, when they're cooking, can add, or when they're baking, actually, add extra sugar or more eggs to make their cakes richer, and they call it their secret formula. So do you have a secret formula that you think makes your plants grow bigger and better? I use ground-up eggshells. Oh, I've heard about that, actually. I, um, that's the only thing I use my coffee grinder for is to crush up my eggshells, and I sprinkle them over my gardens when I first plant. You know, work it into the soil. I also use compost. Mm. Compost is really good. If you, if you do your composting right and you have the, the green uh, and the brown factors and, you know, you can use pieces of paper, you can use uh, grass clippings, um, never put in weeds, but um, peelings from vegetables, you know, and, and even some that have gone bad, you know, just some mushy fruit or whatever, you can throw that in. Mix it all up and just let it sit, and it produces the most fantastic material to work into your soil to give it the nutrients that it needs. And it also attracts a lot of worms, and worms are wonderful for aerating the soil and helping with the drainage and uh, works great. Okay. That's, that's actually really good advice. Thank you. I also will mention um, coffee grounds. If you have plants that you want to grow that need an acidic soil that's, you know, a little bit more acid than the neutral, uh, like blueberries. Mm. I sprinkle coffee grounds on my blueberries uh, around the blueberry bushes all the time. And, well, not all the time, but, you know, several times a year. Yeah. And it, the acid in the, that, plus the, it, the coffee grounds break down and, you know, provide nutrition for the soil. But those two things are things that I, well, the three, composting and the eggshells and the coffee, coffee grounds, um, I find work really well. Okay. Now, today there is a lot of talk about sensory gardens or gardens that not, they don't just have beautiful blooms, but they're very fragrant so that people can enjoy the flowers, you know, smelling them. What do you think would be best to put in a sensory garden? One, uh, well, you can use a lot of shrubs have beautiful uh, fragrances. I personally have a lot of lilacs in my yard. I love lilacs. And now they've more or less passed. Unfortunately, they don't last too long. Uh, but um, lilacs have a phenomenal scent. Uh, lilies of the Valley. A lot of your bulb plants, like narcissus, um, hyacinths, are just gorgeous. I mean, obviously, if you want to work your soil enough to grow good roses. There are a lot of beautiful roses with wonderful scents. Um, yeah, I I don't grow 
many flowers for the fragrance, more for the the look. But um, but there are just a, a honeysuckle if you like to do vines. Oh, okay. Uh, that and and jasmine and those are pretty much uh, they're considered nuisances, really, like <laughs> because they they do grow very actively, but they have a wonderful scent when they're growing. I have a lot of um, honeysuckle down at the back of my property, which is, you know, it's out of the way, but when I go down there, you know, it really smells great. And that that seems to bloom periodically through the spring and summer. So you get that fragrance. And and you could always put it on a trellis or a fence and uh, as a backdrop for something else. Okay. All right. So... What tips can you offer to inspiring gardeners? Start with perennials. Okay. <laughs> or start with, you know, indoor plants. And, you know, as I say, it depends on, on where you live. If you live in an apartment, obviously, um, indoor plants would be the way to go. And um, But if you have a gar- an outside garden, I think starting with perennials is the best thing because, as I say, you put it in once with little luck and, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, happy thoughts, it, <laughs> <laughs> it, they'll come back. And uh, so you, you get more bang for your buck, as it were. Uh, a lot of people like to put in annuals, which are only good for a season, but some of those reseed and do come back. We've had pansies in our yard for a long time that just keep coming back. And in spite of the fact that the deer like to eat them, they, <laughs> they're very forgiving, too. So... Um, but I, I really think that's the best way to go. Okay. And then kind of like what you said earlier, trial and error. <laughs> See what works yes. best for you. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> okay. All right, Miss Dale, because I'm a librarian, and this is a library, and I know you love to read. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any favorite books that you can recommend to our listeners? Uh, well, I have a lot of um, gardening books, and um, some of them have um, good ideas, but they're not suitable for this area. So um, the best suggestion that I can give is that you get a good book on gardening in Tennessee or I have one that's gardening Tennessee and Kentucky because I'm right on the border, and so I really... Um, can, you know, get information um, that works better for me. Um, Books on companion planting, that's something I didn't talk about, but um, there are plants that work well together. Um, I mentioned my deer problem. (laughs) Deer don't like marigolds. So I plant marigolds when I planted my tomatoes yesterday. I got marigolds into the gardens as well because I want the deer to leave my tomatoes alone. Um, Nasturtiums are another great plant, even though they're an annual. They're easy to grow. I remember when I was quite young, I I got nasturtium seeds and I planted them. And they just came up, you know, with practically no, no... effort for me, certainly. <laughs> and um, they're a nice little flower, and they, they're, again, a lot of these uh, flowers, like nasturtiums, um, 
are um, resistant to bugs. They the the they don't have a particularly nice fragrance, but they have a scent that bugs don't like. So they will keep bugs away from from your plants. So um, you know things like that are are good things to know. So Absolutely. companion planting books. Um, I have um, one by a man called Bob Flower Dew, which I think is really funny. That has to be made up. No, I'm just uh, it probably is. <laughs> but I have. He to takes his hobby way too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one never knows. But uh, he's written a couple of books that um, are really good as far as giving you ideas about what to plant. And um, you know how to keep bugs away. Um, how to you know plant plants together to um, you know to get the benefit of uh, both you know bug resistance as well as you know, wanting to plant taller plants over um, plants like um, what we would refer to as cool season, uh, like lettuce and cabbage and that sort of thing, and you plant your cucumbers above it on a trellis so that it shades the lettuce and and cabbage so it doesn't get too hot in the sun, whereas the cucumbers can handle it, the other can't. So, you know, that's another type of um, companion planting. Okay. Well, those are two really good books that you've suggested, or at least, you know, topics that we can look into if we're we're serious about starting to plant on our own, which Uh I know some of us are going to be excited to do that now. (laughs) Well, I hope so. Absolutely. Yeah, I have enjoyed Master Gardeners so much because I've met with, as it were, kindred spirits, right? Who, uh, you know, have have become very good friends, and uh, we're always learning from each other, and that I think is is what keeps people active and you know happy in life. So it's been uh, it's been very enjoyable. I'm glad to hear that, and I know our listeners will be glad to hear that as well, that if this is something that you're interested in, just go out and try. <laughs> you Absolutely, know? and even if you can't afford to go to Master Gardeners, you know, take the courses, you can always access materials from the Extension Office for no charge at all. It's all th- through the um, the state university system, and it's paid for with taxes, so don't be afraid to... Talk to your extension agent or find Master Gardeners and work with them, even though you don't take the class. We have several people who I have mentioned Master Gardeners who said, well, I really don't have time, or, you know, the classes are already in session. They only go once a year. But there's this one woman who comes to Richland Park and helps us out all the time. She says, I learned so much from you. Mm. I really enjoy it. So you don't have to be a Master Gardener in order to participate. And... Um, and so you can learn that way, too. Well, that's wonderful. So you can do that in your free time. <laughs> <laughs> I have a person to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Ms. Dell, for being with us today. We absolutely appreciate it. I appreciate you. And we wish you many blooms and beautiful growth. And that goes to everyone. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm hoping. Looks like <laughs> the sun's coming out now, so i got to get out, back outside. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Well, thank you so much, Ms. Dale.